Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another amazing conversation about Acts. Today we're moving forward, Acts chapter 11, and we're going to focus on verses 1 through 18, Gentile salvation defended. And um, anybody ahead of time, as always, man, I like to ask this question ahead of time. Anybody read the whole chapter? Any overarching insights that you want to present before we even get into it or anything like that? It's a really good segue, right? Because the last time we met in our conversations, we talked about Acts chapter 10 and Peter's vision. And now we're doing the next chapter and we're following up with that story. So it's really kind of a neat a neat thing. Um, before we get into it, though, I want to just say at our last church picnic there at La Quinta Inn, we heard a wonderful story by Tammy. For those of you who were there and able to hear all that, and she talked about how God answers prayer. She's told this amazing story. Um, what do you guys think? Those who heard that story, was that was that kind of incredible or what? How God worked. Oh, it was. To bring about that opportunity, plane ticket. That was amazing. And there's power in storytelling. So think about us here as a, as a community of friends and family and believers. When we gather, especially if it's someone that you haven't seen in a while, right? We haven't seen Virgin in a while, so she comes today. What do we end up doing with each other? We converse, we get, we catch up. Catch up. We tell yeah. stories about this, that, and the other. We, we start telling a bunch of stories. And in the storytelling, we're able to connect with each other's experiences. That's what that's all about, right? Mm -hmm. So think of this. Jesus told stories called parables all over the place. That's all he told. Yeah. But he told those stories to teach how his kingdom works, teach about design law. So rather than him just telling people, here's what the law is, go and do it, or here's how this principle works, go and do it, he described it through storytelling and parables. Why do you think that is? Anybody have any ideas why you think that is? I'll hammer home the, the point. Okay. You, know, you tell a story, it's something that people can relate to, then you're going to get the point. Exactly. And here's why that's significant. In our brains, when we're telling each other stories our brains experience a really interesting phenomenon called neurocoupling, okay? Or in other words, mirroring. So for instance, if someone is telling you this story and they start getting really, really excited and they get excited and they sit on the edge of their chair, don't you feel yourself getting excited too? Your tension builds a little bit, you can feel that suspense building. Or someone's telling you a story and they're really sad and they're heartbroken and it's just a sad experience. Don't you yourself connect with that? Because your neurons, the cells in your brain, are firing with the neurons in the person telling the story. It's really amazing. And I heard this quote, which I really liked, and it goes like this. Stories are the essential building block of empathy and human connection. Right? So, put your imagination caps on. Right? Imagine with me that the Apostle Peter... Right? Because in our discussion today, we're talking about Peter. Imagine with me the Apostle Peter is walking along the road with Jesus before Jesus died and went to heaven. He's walking along with Jesus. And Jesus is telling them a story. Jesus is using descriptive language like dry ground, thorns, rocks, seeds in a bag, the hot sun, and freshly tilled soil. 
So I'm guessing Peter imagined these seem right very similar to the way did you guys imagine the same things on I said rocks hard ground thorns could you picture those can you experience this <coughs> freshly tilled soil you can see those right so I'm guessing Peter also was imagining this process and what obviously what parable is that we know it as the parable of the sower it's found in Matthew chapter 13 right Jesus tells this parable of a sower sowing seeds the lesson is about the design law of God and how his kingdom works. In the story, what's the sower doing? Equally distributing seeds. He's walking along, spreading seeds. What do the seeds represent? Seeds of truth. Right? We use that metaphor all the time. We plant a seed in someone's heart, in their mind, maybe the Holy Spirit can grow. We use that metaphor all the time in our life. So what he's trying to what he's trying to tell in that parable is that he's trying to reveal how reality works. The reason some seeds grew grow and others didn't grow is not because the sower spread bad seeds on the rock and good seeds in the dirt. You guys following with that? Mm -hmm. It was the same seed. The sower threw the same seed on the rock, or in the thorn, on the hard ground, or in the freshly tilled soil. The difference is the place the seed fell. Right? So you can tell this story, we right here, we can tell this story to a group of 100 people, or how many millions of people throughout the years have read that parable in Matthew 13, and have come away with multiple different understandings of it. Probably a lot, right? A lot of different people. And why is that? Well, if, you're, if your view about God is distorted, or your understanding is distorted, then you're going to interpret that story very differently. Okay? So just like when Jesus told in the parable, the seed could grow in fertile soil, or it could die on a hard rock, you could tell someone that parable yourself, and it could grow in their heart and they will change or it will fall on deaf ears more importantly you can tell someone a story about your own life and it could impact them in a way that will help them grow and change or it'll mean nothing to them it just is what it is and eh, whatever it doesn't matter and we've all probably experienced that haven't we right so that whole thing i just talked about how does it tie in with today's study what's relevant there had to keep sharing his story about it over and over again so people would know why he's doing what he's doing and, and, and so it would plant seeds in their heart too right so that they would know what God wants right so let's let's check it out let's let's hit our let's hit up our passage here and someone read for me verse 1 2 and 3 and verse 4. The apostles and the brothers and sisters who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had also received the word of God. When Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. Peter began to explain to them step by step. Pause right there. 
Okay, other translations use that verse 4, word it, starting from the beginning, Peter told the story. Right? Other versions use that language. Well, starting from the beginning, Peter told the story. Yeah, the, the King James says, but Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning. Yep. And expanded expanded on it by order unto them saying. Yep, very good. Start at the beginning. Let me well well here's why'd you do this, Peter? Well, let me start at the beginning and walk you through it. Let me tell you the story. What happened? Okay? So that's what's really interesting. And so let's 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 go ahead and well, let me read. Let me read for you a couple of these verses here that I found that I thought were really, really interesting, and then let's read the story that Peter shares. So, verse four, Peter says, starting from the beginning. Let me tell you the story. I found this really interesting verse in Psalms sixty-six, verse sixteen. Okay, and this is out of the Remedy paraphrase. David writes, "Come and listen, all you who are loyal to God, and I will tell you what He has done for me." Okay? And there was one other example here in Luke chapter 8. This is when Jesus, there's a story of Jesus was on boat and he came to the shore and he was confronted with a man who was in, you know, like over, possessed by a legion, you know, a legion of demons. And Jesus casts him out and casts the demons into a pig and they all run over a cliff. And it's a crazy story if you read it. That's found in Luke chapter 8. But Jesus says to the, to the, the man who is now free, who was begging to go with Jesus. Jesus said in verse 39, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. In essence, what's the man doing? Telling the story. He's just telling the story. Yes. He's just telling the story. That's exactly right. So let's read it. So let's read Peter's story at the beginning. Let's read Peter's story. I'll read a little bit and then I'll call some people out. To read as well. We'll start in verse 5. I was in the town of Joppa praying, and I saw in a trance an object that resembled a large sheet coming down, being lowered by its four corners from heaven, and it came to me. When I looked closely and considered it, I saw the four-footed animals of the earth, the wild beasts, the reptiles, and the birds of the sky. I also heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. No, Lord, I said, for nothing impure or ritually unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a voice answered from heaven a second time, What God has made clean, you must not call impure. Lola, can you read uh, 10 to 14? The next five. Now this happened three times, and everything was drawn up again into heaven. At that very moment, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were. The Spirit told me to accompany them with no doubts at all. These six brothers also accompanied me. And we went into the man's house. He reported to us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa, call for Simon, who is also named Peter. He will speak a message to you by which you and all your household will be saved. Virgin, would you like to read some for us? Sure. Yeah, read uh, 15 through 18. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came down to unto them, just as on us at the beginning. I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then 
God gave them the same gift that he also gave to us when he we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. How could I possibly hinder God? When they hear this, they became silent, and they glorified God, saying, So then, God has given repentance resulting in life even to the Gentiles. Thank you. Take a couple minutes there and formulate some thoughts and <clears throat> So what would you do if a close friend of yours or a member of our church family here came up to you or, or did something that you thought was like that's a little weird. Why did they do that? So you went to them and you asked them, why did you do that? And they said, well, let me walk you through it. And they tell you that story. Did you think they were crazy? Or a story that was unbelievable. Well, I had a dream, so here's what I did because of that dream. Right? What do you think about that concept? Does that sound difficult for us in this day and age to understand because well the holy spirit's not moving as we think he's moving max mark but he had brethren that went down with him and they had witnesses and so it's not like he stood on his own like you wouldn't believe what happened to me it yeah okay good point at verse 12 they bring up these six brothers also accompanied me and right went to the man's house however the six brothers didn't see the vision peter saw no, but I'm sure they heard all about her on the way down to see the... True that. How could you not talk about that, right? Right. What else do you think there? Why do you think the brethren... Now, we're not... This is interesting. We're not talking about the Pharisees who were confronting Peter to stone him, right? The Bible makes it clear that he was talking about other believers, right? So so people who are part of Peter and, and the early, early Christian New Testament church, you know, they're the ones that are talking to Peter, not, not people who are against the early church movement, okay? These are people that are a part of it. Why do you think they had such an issue with it in the very beginning? Because they were exclusive. They were Jews. Mm -hmm. Originally, you know, yeah. I mean, that's who they were, and they felt that was only giving these gifts to them. And so, when this vision came about, and the explanation, and then they were actually very accepting as well once mm -hmm. they understood what was happening and Peter's reasoning with it, and it was. You know, came together pretty well, actually. Mm -hmm. Considering, you know. Yes, it could have gone bad a few different yeah. ways, didn't it? Yeah. In fact, I later on, later on in Acts, it does go bad, like really bad, because here you see Peter. He's going to the Gentiles. He's preaching the gospel with them. He's working with them, and good things happen. Later on in Acts, you see Peter not doing that. 
Is that Peter? That is Peter. And doesn't Paul call him out on it? I think Paul calls him out on it. He calls him a hypocrite right to his face. Because later on in Acts, you see Peter, there were some Gentiles there, and Peter didn't want to associate with them for fear of his reputation, so he only associated with the Jews. Like there was a change there. Right? He didn't do it at another time. And I think Paul called him out on it, like big time. Like publicly on the church floor, called him out. You gotta understand how deep that prejudice was taught. Yeah. Yes. And how much it's fostered even to today. Yeah. That anybody other than a Jew is goyim, which is basically cattle, unwashed, unwanted. And yeah. So it's it's you know it, unfortunately it's it's that is what you're dealing with. Yeah. I think it's interesting, though. I didn't know that part, but I think it's interesting how when he told it both times, it was exactly the same. And that's how you know that God helped him share it, I guess you could say, because you know how too much stories become legends, and legends change, and and sometimes they turn out to be a terror or something instead of something good. Yeah. Mm, that's that's a good insight. Or they don't even tell the story right at all. Yeah. Check out. We're gonna kind of skip ahead a little bit here in the story, down toward the end, because obviously, you know, again, if for our listeners, if you go back to our previous episode, we talked through this exact thing in Acts chapter ten, and. Um, you know, we also discussed it, Peter's vision. We unpacked a lot of interesting things out of that. One of the things that came out of that was how the vision happened three times. Right? This is chapter Acts chapter 10, verse 15 and 16. Again, a second time the voice said to him, What God has made clean, do not call him pure. And then verse 16, this happened three times. And Peter, when he's telling the story, he includes that. This happened three times. Um, and we, our last discussion, when we talked about this, we, we thought it was kind of interesting how there seems to be a, a three-time pattern that repeats in Peter's life a lot. When he denied Christ three times and Christ restored him three times, and, you know, here when he's telling the story, he, he includes that, in, that little detail. And, um, yeah, I wonder, you know, I wonder if you could put yourself there in Peter's place, if he felt... You know, like the level of embarrassment or potential like hesitancy or insecurity in, sh- in sharing such a such a wild story. You know, to your point, Mark, from coming from such a Jewish culture and the ceremonial, you know, traditions and ceremonial laws and stuff that were in place um, since you know thousands for thousands and thousands of years. You know, here's Peter telling this story of all these unclean animals, which has a a generational history of Israelites just like thumbing their nose at the Gentiles and Sumerians and different people for eating whatever and you know being set apart and and even how that that correlates with even our church today we all know we all know Christians and Adventists who who operate with the same the same mindset they don't you know their friend circle consists of their church people and no one else because they were taught and they're shown and they're told not to associate not to whatever not to anything 
So it makes sense that these church people, like if they had that model, you know, Peter goes and does this thing. It's almost like today, man. I could see it happening today. You know, your church people come to you and they say, you were down at Joe's Bar and Grill. What's up with that? Why'd you go there? You know? We don't associate with those kind of people. <laughs> no, to, the, to your point, to eat. That's funny. That's so good. That's so good. Well, that just shows, that just shows the point there. Because, I mean, I went there to have dinner with my friends. Like, but it's not hard to see where a lot of us, I know I have for myself. I came from a, a, an environment where you didn't go there to eat. You didn't go anywhere near there. Any thoughts on that before we keep going down? Sarah's wheels are turning. Well, think about it. When you go to an establishment, mm-hmm. and you're there to eat your dinner, and you got kids with you, the last thing you want to kind of sit is within, you know, my parents would never, would draw the line if they served alcohol, we didn't go. Because they didn't want me or, you know, or hang out in a spot where you can look at a bar mm-hmm. and you always have some fool at the bar making a fool of themselves and to save yourself from looking at that why go and so that was the reasoning and such that I was taught with is there's other establishments that don't have a bar we can get a really good meal that you don't have to walk into that environment mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, and the discussion isn't necessarily about that, you know, to go or not to go, because specifically we're talking about God said to Peter, go somewhere that's going to be a, a big stretch for you, and go talk to a people that historically you have avoided as a Jewish nation, right? Check out verse 14. Yeah, go ahead. How it's, it's interesting how... Um, it just reminds me of the Good, Samar- the Good Samaritan story because it's almost like, well, that, that story, it puts, it just, it's almost like an, a preemptive example of what we're talking about here. Mm. He, he's spreading light about how you should be and, and, Jesus didn't like how it was. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Joe, I know in your class you're studying a lot of Acts. Anything interesting that you know you've guys learned about or talked about in this section? Um, I, I don't remember anything really particular one way or another in this section. Just um, uh, just one of the common themes we talked about was Acts is just the is the is the instruction manual for a church. So, well said. Instruction manual. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Check out verse 14. And and I thought this was kind of interesting. Um, He will speak a message to you by which you and all your household will be saved. So Peter is uh, repeating what God told him. Go to this house. He will speak a message to you by which you will be saved. Right? Check this out. Um, So I asked myself the question... What message did Peter speak to the household? That's a fair question, right? So flip back with me a couple pages to Acts chapter 10. And start in verse 34. 
All right, so we didn't actually specifically talk about this last week when we were discussing our conversation, but let's just look at it. Starting in verse 34, here's the message Peter gave to the household. Peter began to speak. Now I truly understand that God doesn't show favoritism. He started his message to this household with that. So what is Peter starting his message with? A vulnerability. Yep. A something he's learned. Something that quite didn't make sense to him before, but now is making sense to him. Right? Correct. And in verse 35, but in every nation, the person who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. So I wonder, I wonder if Peter had to pause for a second. Like, I wonder if he stood up there in front of his family, in front of this, this, this group of people, and he had to just sit collect his thoughts and I wonder if Peter was like huh right and he remembered the parable of the sower think about that I wonder if he remembered the parable of the sower and then he started out his his message to these people and he said now I truly understand that God doesn't show favoritism right he's just sharing this insight he just had and that that connection was made like, it's almost like you can see Peter going, so that's what that story means. The sower is sowing truth without, like, without any hesitation. He's just showing, he's just, sh you know, the other, the other examples that Jesus gives all the time. Don't I send rain on the good and the wicked alike? Don't I send sunshine on the good and the wicked alike? God's love and God's kingdom and God's law, God's who God is... And how reality works is poured out equally on all. Equally. The difference is in how that person chooses to receive it or not. Right? True. Do you have a comment? I was agreeing with what you said, Charlie. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. And then Peter, in that message there, he just basically starts talking. <laughs> so... <laughs> it's being an average puppy and wants to play. That's exactly right. Our little Coco puppy here is just terrorized Mark and Lola again. <laughs> Man, we love Coco. A couple weeks ago, this is so crazy. A couple weeks ago, Lola was laying there hanging out, and then our discussion, and Coco came out of nowhere and licked her right in the mouth. I mean, right in the mouth. That was a gem, wasn't it? It was. <laughs> so good. It's just being a playful puppy. That's exactly right. I love when they lick the roof of your mouth. It's awesome. Isn't it good? Oh, yeah. Mm. Any thoughts on that? Any more? How about there toward the end, verse 17 and 18, after he tells his whole story, Peter, Peter, Peter like drives the point home, doesn't he, when he said, how could I possibly hinder God? How could I get in the way of God? You know, that makes me think, too, like now, modern day, how we've been raised... Like in our church, right? Very conservatively, and how we believe, and how everything is just so. Mm -hmm. Will we be prepared? Will we be as accepting when the Holy Spirit comes down and tells us this is what this means and this is what you need to do? And you weren't thinking about it before because I didn't tell you yet, but I'm telling you now. How will we receive it? 
Because it's what is happening there. He, he has spent his whole life the way that he was taught and how he understood. Yes. And then this comes about, and that's huge. It was huge yeah. for him, and, and all of them, actually. You know, it was, wait a second, yeah. what? You know? Like, verse 18, they said, when they heard this, they all they all became silent. Yeah. Like, it was like a... Yeah, it was like, mind-blown. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Total paradigm shift for him. But you gotta understand, you know, these are people that are... You know, when you're when the Holy Spirit is active in your life, your spiritual attributes come alive. And well, there's no fool on anybody in that light. And um, they had to see that he's being truthful. Mm-hmm. I think it's really to to your point, Mark. You know, earlier in our in our discussion of Acts in chapter five, we went through a whole a topic titled Gamaliel's advice. And basically when the Peter and the Peter and the apostles were, were doing their thing, some people were in jail, you know, this one Pharisee stood up and he gave his advice and he said, Listen, do you remember this one guy? How he got a whole bunch of people with him, but then when that dude was dead, it all you know, his following disintegrated and turned to nothing. And Gamaliel went through a couple of different examples of this. And then he told the Pharisees and he said, Look, if this is of man, you know, the movement of the New Testament church, if this is of man, it'll turn, it'll, leave it alone, it'll turn into nothing. But if it's of God, you can't stop it. And don't, you don't want to be the one working actively against God. Mm-hmm. You know? And so I find that really interesting how Gamaliel gave that advice in chapter 5 to other Pharisees. And then here's Peter basically saying the same thing. Who am I to get in the way of God? God's moving and working. Mm-hmm. You know, and they all just had to stand there and be silent. And I think the reason, to your point, Lola, when they all just stood there for a second and had to just think about what was taking place, because yeah, even to that point, even after Jesus told his parables, they watched him die and rose again, and and he walked among them and he taught them. Like they still had these distorted, right? And and that and that really brings us to the fundamental point. I think is that change and growth is experiential. In order for us to grow and change, we have to experience something. We have to experience it. And I think that Jesus was teaching them all these concepts, and he's dropping seeds in their minds, and he's doing all these things, and they're all just kind of floating around. But then when they experienced something like Peter's vision and what happened, it made all those connections, and they went, whoa. Yeah. Right? So I really hope, to your point, you know, when we are faced with this experience— and the Holy Spirit's been dropping all these things and all these all these connections are made all of a sudden where our only response is to be silent for a minute and go, I'm going to need a minute. <laughs> I need a minute. <laughs> right? <laughs> Just kind of like process that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and not get in the way, you know? Because yeah. it's, if it's God's will, it's God's plan and who are we? Well, at that moment, when all those connections are made, at that moment, mm-hmm. what is presented us? A choice. A choice is presented to us at that moment. Do I believe this? And am I going to move forward into it? Or am I going to deny it and say, I don't think that's it. And go somewhere else. Right? And it's it's in those moments that determine, you know, the path where we're moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any final thoughts here before we close in prayer?
Okay, Coco's back to grace us with her presence again. Okay. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this conversation. Thank you for, for the work that you're doing in each of our hearts and each of our minds. And I pray that when connections are made and insights are formed, that the choice we will make will always be the one that moves um, in harmony with truth. You are the author of truth. You are truth. And so any movement in that direction will ultimately bring us to you. Thank you, God, for, for, for being in this place. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.